to Distill, the bourbon podcast, where today we're searching for unicorns. Chuck, have you ever been in one of those moods where you just want to go grab your favorite bottle from your liquor store and you rush over and you look on the shelf and there's a hole there and you ask, you know, hey, do you have any of this? And they say, no. I've got a lot of heartbreaks in my life, Brent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, so... Heartbreaks indeed, let me tell you. When you go and you look for that that bottle of Blanton and it's just not there or Eagle Rare or, you know, Four Roses Single Barrel starting to get difficult to find, much less the, the Michter's Tenure and uh, Pappies and that sort of thing, they're just not there. One thing that we want to do is share with our audience what is the best opportunity to find those rare bottles. And we happen to have an expert as our co-host. That is Brian McDaniel. Brian, tell us a little bit about the bourbon business and how it works and how can we find those rare bottles? Well, first I'd like to clarify, I'm not an expert, uh, but I do have some bourbon information for you. Being an insider in the bourbon industry, owning uh, some liquor stores, uh, I get asked daily about bourbon allocations, bourbon releases, so forth. And my biggest advice as far as securing a bottle, allocated bottle, if you will, is to find out when the allocated bottle gets delivered. So most of the time, in uh, Kentucky at least, and I'm sure around the rest of the states, the liquor companies deliver once a week. So if you're looking for a bottle of Blanton's and you're going there every single day or you know, you're know you going there weekly, you need to know which day that's going to be delivered. And in our area, it's Fridays. That's when all of the Buffalo Trace allocations get released. That's when Michter's is delivered. So it you need to find that information out first. So if you find out when they're getting delivered and then you show support for that local business or, you know, if it's a Walgreens or a a Walmart or whatever, obviously that doesn't matter. They, you know, the first one there is normally who gets it unless they're calling all their family and friends. But to really secure a bottle from a local mom and pop store, you need to build rapport with that store. Uh, My management team, I let them know, you know, we do have a bourbon raffle, but we also sell to our, our regular customers. I mean, guys, it wouldn't be fair to just raffle them off and have people win those bottles. So our regular customers, if they ask us for something and they're there, we know they're there all the time. Of course, we're going to sell them a bottle of Blanton's. We're going to sell them all our 12 year or, you know, wherever, wherever they ask for. So, so first step is to get to know your liquor store owner. And, and by the way, that doesn't just mean having a, a conversation. It means being a good customer of, of your local liquor store. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can go to the big box store if you want to, and uh, maybe you'll save a dollar or two if you tote it around the store in this huge uh, cart that they have. But, you know, why? Why do that when uh, you can help support a local business and, uh, you know, help yourself as well? Yeah, I, I see it all the time. You know, we have people come in that live here in Henderson, and I'm I'm not sure where they shop, but I never see them. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm at the store constantly, but I always ask my management team and my staff, you know, if there's a customer that comes in regularly, if they're wanting something, you let me know because we're going to take care of them. You know, we're not going to overcharge for the allocated bottle. What we do is we basically um, do regular markup plus 5%. So what our regular markup is plus 5%. And that's because you have all these uh, flippers of these bottles who – Buy the bottle, for instance, we had a uh, Willet 17 year, I believe. We bought it. Our wholesale cost was like 880. We sold it for 1150 dollars. 
That same night, my bar manager sent me a text. This guy sold it for twenty five hundred dollars in the Whoa, secondary market. Not cool. He man. didn't even get out of the parking lot. He did a crotch shot right there in his truck with this bottle before he left our parking lot. So. Wow, that's just not cool. So, Brian, tell me a little bit about the way your industry works. What is the supply chain? Can you buy from, you know, can you buy direct from the producers, or do you have to go through a, a distributor? Yeah, so we have to go through a distributor. There's a three-tier system, which means that there's distillery. They sell to a distributor, and the distributor sells to us. Uh, structure is in every state, as I know of it, as of today, except for Washington State, which broke up the three-tier system. And they can actually buy straight from the distri- or distillery. But we have to go through the distributor. And do you have access to multiple distributors, or do you have – No. You know, are you limited there? Nope. So each brand, let's say Jim Beam, for instance – they have one distributor that I can go through. So if they're out of stock, they're out of stock. Pricing, they set their own pricing. The distributor or the uh, distilleries have input as far as case levels and things of that nature, you know, to push their product. Uh, but yeah, we have that one distributor to go, go through and that's it. So no negotiating power really at all. No. Um, really what you can do is the more you buy, the more you're allocated. Yeah. And that's, that's the way it's gone. When I first got into business, it was kind of like the good old boy system where it's not what you sold, it's who you knew. Mm-hmm. And there's still some of that in the bourbon industry. Uh, I'm not going to deny that, but in our area in Kentucky, at least what they do, Buffalo Trace, probably the most sought after uh, distillery in the United States uh, with Weller and Pappy and everything growing in popularity. What they do is they call it Sazerac dollars. So for every dollar of Sazerac products that we sell, that goes into competing against other liquor stores. And at the end of the day, depending on how much we sell, then we get allocations like Blanton's. We get allocations like Papa Van Winkle, Weller. So all that comes into play. It's all about moving product. Mm-hmm. Chuck, do you have any of those Sazerac dollars I can borrow, my friend? I'm learning stuff every day that we do this podcast. I've never heard of Sazerac dollars. I think I heard of Kohl's dollars before. I'm tired of hearing about Sazerac dollars because <laughs> my sales reps always talk about Sazerac dollars. I'm like, I can only push so much Fireball and Blanton's on these, or uh, Fireball and Barton's on these people. <laughs> so we're going to find a great uh, store. We're going to get to know the owner. We're going to let them know what we're looking for. And, you know, at, in my case, I, I can say that I've had this conversation with you multiple times of, if there's something interesting that's coming in, please let me know because I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to build, you know, my, my back bar with whatever is out there. And there's always something new coming along that I'm behind the curve and in, in new products and, and new releases. So, you know, besides those things, is there any way to get uh, those super rare bottles from a liquor store or are you going to have to go to, let's call it the gray market uh, whether that's the internet or some other individual that uh, may have a, um, an auction or some sort of uh, secondary process. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely growing popularity now. I mean, the, the secondary market is a huge market in the bourbon industry. There's all kinds of bottles out there. I would caution you, uh, especially if you're spending a lot of money on a bottle of Pappy online, just make sure that you're aware that there are counterfeiters, counterfeiters out there. So we actually used to give away our bottles. Like if somebody finished a Pappy, then they'd get to keep the bottle. Well, unless we know that person, we don't do that anymore because there's so much counterfeiting going on right now. Because oh, you have a bar in, in right. one of your stores. So you may pour Pappies, and then you used to give those empty bottles to somebody else. And I could pour in OZ Tyler, 
and sell it for a couple of thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. It's a unicorn bottle. I mean, most people don't know what it tastes like. Yeah. You know, so they and if you think it's a hard process, go online because there's YouTube videos on, you know, how to do these <laughs> things. It's kind of kind of crazy. Really? Yes. Uh, so there was actually a guy that worked for a distillery in Bardstown and got caught counterfeiting. Uh, and so the secondary market, we're myself and my bar manager, we're constantly mo- monitoring the secondary market to see what price what prices are going for, because we want to know, uh, for one, uh, in Kentucky, it's legal to buy vintage bottles. So if a consumer comes to me and say, hey, I got this bottle of Pappy 23 year, would you like to buy it from me? Legally, I can do that now. So we have customers approach us all the time. So we monitor the secondary market to see how that's going. But I just caution you, especially if you're just getting into bourbon, or even if you've been in bourbon a long time, you can be scammed on there. So Brian, what kind of Interesting, oddball, old, dusty bottles have uh, have you been approached with? Oh, I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, everything from a uh, gem beam from the 40s. We've had uh, some really old, old Forrester bottles. Pappy, Van Winkle, constantly. Uh, we've had a lot. The problem is most people know what they're worth, and they, they expect me to pay what they're worth. I tell them, you know, I'm in business, obviously, so I have to make something. So I can't pay you what's worth. If you want to sell it for what's worth, then you need to, you know, find find the right buyer. So what are some of the uh, labels that are out there that people are used to being able to have access to that are starting to disappear? So a couple that come to mind, uh, Buffalo Trace, just a regular Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare. Really? Buffalo yeah. Trace? Yep. Uh, Eagle Rare. um, and then Weller, I mean, Weller used to sell on the shelf um, all the time. You know, all those three are, are Buffalo Trace products, uh, which, I, which I said before, probably the most popular uh, distillery in the United States. Uh, but they just don't have the, the supply to keep up with the demand. You know, I remember five or six years ago, I decided I wanted to collect all of the, 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 the bottle caps that come with Blanton's. Uh, there's, I guess, eight different... Uh, bottle caps mm-hmm. uh they all portray a horse but in in a different stage of its gait and so there's one for the b in blattens and one for the l one for the a uh, uh there are two ends in blattens and there's actually two different kind of bottle caps uh bottle tops corks so uh and and you can put them all into a, a custom made uh, a barrel stave and so forth like that for displaying in your in your bar or whatever uh five or six years ago i could go into a liquor store and just start looking at the bottles and saying well i need a i need an s and it was not a big deal to find an s it, it's amazing now five or six years later to be thinking if you can even find a bottle of blattens oh it's crazy i mean Save yourself the time. Just go to the distillery and just buy all the letters you need. That's yeah, what I did. Exactly right. <laughs> I think for 75 bucks you yeah. can get a set. But uh, I'm not I'm a fan of it. I am trying to do it the legitimate, uh, yeah, legitimate air quotes. Uh, I have one of those um, barrel tops that has the, the holes uh, drilled out of them. And we're trying to do that. But holy moly, I've got a bunch of N's and a few T's and a few S's. And that's, that's about it. So, yeah, if you have any extra... Chuck laying around the house. I think I, I do have an extra. I forget what it is, but I'll, I'll hook you up, buddy. All right. I like it. Talking about Blanton's, I mean, to tell you how crazy the bourbon industry has gotten is the dump dates on Blanton's. So people are actually collecting those based off when, let's say, their kid was born, you know, to share with their child when they turn 21. Nice. And also when you get married, you know, the, the people are looking for certain dump, dump dates. So the secondary market is full of all kinds of awesome, amazing uh, bourbons. But just keep in mind, you're going to pay for them and the prices keep going up. 
All right. So uh, what is new out there on the market that uh, nobody's heard of yet that I can go out there and buy and enjoy at home? Well, really, it's normally too late by the time uh, you find out something's cool that it's allocated. You know, like Henry McKenna, one of my favorite bourbons, uh, you know, when I started drinking, I think it was like $29. It's like 45 now. It won a few awards. And after that, you just... Overnight, you couldn't find it on the shelves. I mean, people just started uh, buying up in hordes. And a lot of what people uh, think about bourbon are these bourbon reviews that people do. And I never go off bourbon reviews from, quote unquote, the experts. Because what people don't understand is there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different tastings that they do throughout the United States and throughout the world where everybody has an award-winning bourbon. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, there's there, you see a lot of metals mentioned out there. Yeah, you do. Every, everybody's won something, and and that's the reason because there's so many different tastings, and I'm sure they're paying in somehow. I'm not sure the the behind the scenes of that, but well, let me just throw it out there right now. If there's any distilleries out there that uh, are interested in a distilled bourbon podcast gold medal, just send your bottles to us, and we will um, test those and let you know if you qualify. Exactly. And and the thing about bourbon, why I tell people, they, they ask me, they'll call me and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm looking uh, to buy some Blanton's, you know, can you order some for me? And I'll, you know, I'll buy a case of them. And I have to explain to them, you know, it just doesn't work that way. You know, I think it's somebody that's into bourbon, they'll ask their mom or their cousin or somebody yeah. who's uh, naive that think they, they can just find a bottle of Blanton's. So just keep in mind, it's the system does not work that way. Again, it's a three-tier system where we go through the distributorship and uh, these bourbon distilleries, they were forecasting demand. If it's an eight-year-old bourbon, eight years ago, they had to decide how much to put into a barrel and to get a return on their investment for that. They didn't want a bunch of barrels that they couldn't sell. Yeah, that's a crazy lead time. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's why there's so much supply issues right now. And we're hoping um, in the near future, the next three to five years, it will catch up. But with the popularity of bourbon, I don't see that happening. And I don't think the bourbon industry wants it to happen. You know, when I first got into healthcare, there every every not for profit had a golf scramble. Every single one. Everybody was making money uh, by charging folks to have teams to play golf. And now these days, there's some very successful not for profits out there that are having bourbon raffles, and it's a great idea. Uh, yeah. So nonprofits, uh, you know, they they do have these bourbon raffles. It's a great way for them to secure money. I mean, there's. Three or four that I know of going right now that they're going to raise two or three hundred out, two or three hundred thousand dollars a piece. I mean, what else could you throw out there and raise two or three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, that's just amazing. It's crazy. I mean, this goes to show you how popular bourbon has become. It's come around full circle, hasn't it, Chuck? Since the eighties and nineties, when only clear liquids were cool. Let me tell you my favorite bourbon unicorn story. This is from the early 2000s. My brother uh, lived in Hawaii at the time, and my wife and I flew out, and we were traveling around. We went to the Big Island. Uh, he lived on Oahu, but we I went to the Big Island. And one Sunday night, we were in a little Hilo on, on the island of Hawaii, and I had run out of bourbon. Now, back in those days, my favorite bourbon was it, – it's gone now, but it was called a Walker's Deluxe. 
Uh, it had once been a highly advertised bourbon uh, from the Hiram Walker Company. The first time I ever tasted it uh, was at a, a wedding reception, and somebody just handed me the bottle. They were passing it around, and I looked at the label, and it was made in Peoria, Illinois. Peoria once was a big distilling town, and I'm thinking, wow, Peoria, that's bizarre. So I took a swig of it, and I thought, wow, this is really tasty, and it kind of became my my bourbon in those days. You could buy a bottle for about 8 bucks. Uh, a 750. Well, so here we are on a Sunday night uh, in Hilo on the Big Island, and we were playing cards with my my wife and brother and sister in law, and I ran out of bourbon. And my brother, who was in the business, he looked at his watch and he said, "Well, the liquor store here is about to close, but maybe we can run over there real quick." So we drove over, and just before we pulled in the parking lot, uh, the owner turned off the lights inside, and we he saw our headlights. And the lights inside came right back on because <laughs> he saw a sale was about to be made. So we walk in and I start looking around the bourbon section and there was a single bottle of Walker's Deluxe had dust, the, the proverbial dusty bottle. No one had picked this bottle up in years and years and the owner had never bothered to, to mark up the price. Uh, I was able to walk out of that store with a bottle of Walker's Deluxe for $7. Whoa. <laughs> Single digits. I love that, man. You know, it's funny you speak of Walker's Deluxe because I actually had somebody ask me if I could order that for them yesterday. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to go in the Wayback Time Machine and try to find some of that? Yeah, money? yeah. Well, luckily, several people have asked me before, cause, so I was like, yeah, we can't get that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know, you know, a funny thing, nobody seems to know these days where Walker's Deluxe was even distilled. Uh, it started off in Peoria. Uh, then, uh, for many years, it, it said it was made in Bardstown. I've talked to a lot of people in the business uh, who live in Bardstown, and they've never even heard of Walker's Deluxe. It wasn't sold in their area. Uh, it was it was just an obscure brand by by this point. 30 years ago, big brand, but it was kind of forgotten. Uh, my theory is that it probably came out of uh, the Barton uh, 1792 distillery. Well, what's now the Barton 1792? But uh, I'd love to hear from somebody, uh, from an insider who could tell me where in Bardstown was Walker's Deluxe distilled because it was tasty stuff. Yeah. So if you know, please uh, let us know. You can send that information to info at distilledbourbonpodcast.com, or you can leave us a comment on our website, which is distilledbourbon.com. So fellas, all this talk about bourbon is making me really thirsty. So let me ask you this. What are you drinking? Well, Brent, thanks for asking. I'm actually drinking JTS Brown today. And, uh, Many of you are probably wondering, what the hell is JTS Brown? That's what I was thinking. What yeah, the hell is JTS yeah. Brown? Well, uh, most of you probably aren't looking for it or even seen it on the shelf because it's normally on the bottom shelf. Uh, but it's a very good bourbon. Uh, I believe, don't quote me on this, I believe it's it's either four or six years old. And uh, it's about $15. But it is just a, a great uh, mixing bourbon. And I actually, I enjoy it on the rocks as well. So that's what I'm drinking. And I just want you guys to know, just don't discount based off the price, because there are several value bourbons out there that are very good. Love it. Chuck, what are you drinking? Well, I'm going to throw a really obscure one at you. It's not obscure for people in our part of Northwest Kentucky, but uh, I've become really fond of, uh, of a bourbon brand called Yellow Banks that comes out of Green River Distilling in Owensboro, Kentucky. That's a, a recently renamed distillery, but it's an old, old, old uh, brand uh, going back to the to the 19th century. 
Uh, Yellow Banks was a frontier name for the community of Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, a value-priced uh, bourbon, but really terrific. Uh, uh, a real butterscotch note on it. Uh, I'm not saying that it's what, something I would drink every day, but it is so different and so much fun. I don't even know how available it is, but uh, I love finding these uh, little oddball or uh, niche uh, bourbons uh, when we're on the on the bourbon trail. So uh, Yellow Banks, uh, if, if you can try it and you got about 26 bucks in your pocket, then uh, give it a try. Well, that's remarkable because that's what I'm drinking. Let me tell you, I don't normally drink uh, bur- bourbon and Coke anymore because, you know, it reminds me of my college days and I'm supposed to be a man now and have grown do, out of that. Do you remember those days? Some of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, bourbon and Coke with yellow banks is freaking amazing. Okay. I don't know how to explain it, but uh, if you're by yourself and you don't have to you know, act like you're going to drink all of your bourbons neat and or uh, with one huge chunk of ice in it. Enjoy yourself a Coke with a little yellow banks in it or a lot of yellow banks in it. That butterscotch note at the end of the Coke taste with the carbonation. Fantastic. I, I've never tasted any bourbon quite like that. It is it is one of a kind. And uh, visiting Green River Distilling in Owensboro, it, it's really worth the effort. They're not one of our sponsors. But they've done a really nice job with that distillery. It has a lot of history. They've they've done it well. They've got some interesting products. They're really it's it. You may not know the name, uh, but they but you make, will. Uh, yeah, you you will. And, and and it's really a big producer. They do a lot of private labels. Uh, Bradshaw Bourbon. Brad I'm Terry, sure, yeah, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. All the still Stillers fans out there, I'm sure know that bourbon. Well, very cool. I always enjoy hearing what you guys are drinking and. We want to hear what our listeners are drinking. Send us an email. Send us a uh, comment on our on our uh, Facebook page or on our internet page at distilledbourbonpodcast.com. And now let's find out what Chuck's trivia question is for this episode. So this one uh, is for you English majors. How do you spell whiskey? See, there's two different ways to spell whiskey. You can spell it W-H-I-S-K-Y, like Maker's Mark does. Or you can spell it W-H-I-S-K-E-Y, like a lot of other distillers spell it. So there's a rule of thumb as to how you spell whiskey, with or without an E. My trivia question is, what's the rule of thumb for the spelling of Hmm. whiskey? Is this anything similar to theater and theater? Well, Hmm. yeah, but a lot more fun. Oh, well, I like it. Okay. So if you think you know the answer to the question, send us an email at info at distilledbourbonpodcast.com. And if you answer correctly, you'll go into a drawing to win a fabulous prize, which we always ask Brian to announce. Well, it is a 10% discount to any of our beverage bar locations at the Rain Henderson or the one in Morganfield. So if you're nearby and you enter, uh, great, you get 10% off. If you are from afar, then guess what? We have a website launching soon where you will actually be able to purchase bottles online and you can get 10% off that way. Perfect. Excellent. Hey, I, I know the answer to this trivia question. Can I just get the 10% right now? Negative, Chuck. Good try. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Distilled the Bourbon Podcast. Until next time, please drink responsibly. <laughs>